Welcome to the ACFCS Financial Crime Cast, a briefing featuring the latest news, guidance, and analysis across the financial crime spectrum. I'm Brian Spodekindle, SVP of Product and Programming with ACFCS, and in this intro, I have the unenviable task of trying to make sense of 2022, a singular and challenging year in financial crime compliance. I won't rehash the many, many events of the year. This would be a 10-hour podcast if I did, but across the crypto meltdowns, Russian sanctions challenges, regulatory developments, I do want to pick up on one theme that jumped out at me. Across financial crime risk management, strong know-your-customer programs reduced exposure to the riskiest markets and allowed some financial institutions to thrive where others struggled. This shouldn't be a surprise, but in other words, 2022 was the year that the old saying, compliance is a competitive advantage, proved really vividly true for the financial services sector, especially in the burgeoning world of fintech. So, To pull this thread a little bit further and understand what KYC CDD trends might play out in the new year, I'm pleased to be joined by Keith Berry. He's the general manager of KYC and KYS at Moody's Analytics. Together, we'll review some of the biggest pressures on KYC programs in the past year, talk about how fintechs in particular have responded, and look ahead to what it takes to innovate in this space as increasingly we shift towards real-time or perpetual KYC models. Well, Keith, thank you so much for being here. It is a pleasure to have you on the Financial Crime Cast, and I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you, um, particularly KYC as a competitive advantage. I think this has been uh, a topic on, on near or at the top of the mind for many of our audience members out there, uh, especially in light of you know the Russia invasion of Ukraine. Just today, we had more sanctions issued uh, on Russia over the annexation of certain regions in the Ukraine. So strong KYC, CDD, obviously, absolutely critical at this moment, maybe even more so than it, than it typically is. Uh, so it's a very long-winded way of saying thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to have you on the Financial Crime Cast. Thanks very much, Brian. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. Well, I referenced uh, one of those current events right now. There's been any number of current events we could point to as a, as a bit of the tumultuous year we've had in 2022. Um, Russia invasion of the Ukraine being a big one. We've seen lingering effects from the pandemic on operations and financial crime risks, uh, crypto market meltdown in the reg tech space, uh, in particular fintech space. Uh, So uh, how does all this tie into our our topic of conversation, which is the KYC as a competitive advantage? Do you see, particularly in times of disruption like this, Actually, the the need for stronger KYC CDD is sometimes pointed to as you know a cost center, right, and a, a drag on business. Um, but at times like this, you know, particularly using the crypto example, it seems like the firms with strong compliance programs, strong customer due diligence, you know, robust attention to this piece of the the wider compliance puzzle have actually thrived vis-a-vis their peers. So, how how do you see it, you know, in your role working with institutions really around the world? Yeah, I think that I think that's right. I think what we typically see, and it, it's kind of interesting, you know, Moody's is very much focused on risk management. And in the good times, I think there is a bit of a perception that 
risk management is um, is a is a cost, right? A, a, a heavy cost, and and this baby. Maybe a, a, a sense that by reducing spend on that cost, you can save some money. But you know what we see across all the sort of different risks we look at as an organization, it's when we get these times of stress, and and you know Moody's histories around credit. But when you know if you've had a long period with a very um, low default environment and very few you know losses in the credit markets, um, people get cut confident, right? And they get comfortable and they don't invest as much in understanding the, the risk that they have. And then then we'll see a tumultuous year. And it's been that that's been the case in the credit markets, right? And, and we've seen some huge fluctuations in in bond yields uh in this recent period as well. That's when it, kind of the the firms and the organizations who've kind of paid attention to their their risk management kind of sail through and we always seem to see some organizations who struggle and i think we're seeing exactly the same pattern with um in the kyc world in the crypto world with you know customers who've who've, who've done a good job of of investing and and kind of following best practices having a much kind of smoother uh passage through this period if that makes sense and less uh, less less panic, and others sort of looking to to catch up because potentially they've they there's more they can do. So I, I, it, it's very consistent with with conversations we've been having with uh, with customers all year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, as you said, you know the the fintech space, the crypto space, heavily focused on investment, customer acquisition, growth, right, in general, um, over the past several years, really, um, and more of the more of the boom times. And now there's yeah. there's a shakeout there. Um, uh, you know, on that note, and it's not just the crypto, you know, the crypto space we're talking about, or even the newer players. You can look at uh, someone like PayPal. Recently, few few months ago, took a big hit on uh, customer acquisition, a bunch of fraudulent accounts that they acquired through a, a potentially uh, um, questionable uh, marketing campaign they ran around customer acquisition. So not to pick on any particular firm or even sector, but there has been, I think, a bit of a struggle to balance the desire for rapid growth for customer innovation uh, or for innovation for customer acquisition with, you know, effective KYC, CDD and financial crime controls around that. I'm wondering, you know, based on what we're going through right now, um, do you see a change? Um, do you see the fintech space evolving in a different direction away from, you know, the sort of growth at all costs type of mentality that may be marked at least certain firms over the past few years to a more measured growth that more strongly incorporates, um, you know, these compliance controls from the start, even in, you know, product design um, and marketing and these types of functions? I think it's it's interesting, right? If you if we go back two or three years, right, pre-pandemic, um, I, I really think the pandemic marked this change where everybody suddenly realized you didn't have to uh, do 
business in person as much, right? And because we couldn't, right? There was a period all around the world where, you know, nobody was going to a bank branch to open an account because it really wasn't possible for, for a short period and depending on which country you're in for, for, for different lengths of time. So that's really driven this massive increase in, in digital onboarding. And obviously some of the fintechs have been doing this for a long time. Uh, but what we're now seeing is, is, you know, everybody sort of trying to catch up with the, with the digital onboarding. And, and I think there was sort of this acceleration of digitization, right? Even if I think about personally, just how little cash I use now, right? And, and that really changed in, in, in the pandemic, right? I think I've kind of tapped to pay and, and the kind of whole digital experience has really been accelerated by everything that the, you know, all the challenges we had with, with the pandemic. So I don't think we're going to put that desire for a more digital onboarding process back in the box, right? That, that genie's already out of the box. And, and I think, um, you know, I, I think as consumers, I actually, you know, I, I think the, the digital experience is, is, is great. Um, but how do we do that in a, in a responsible way? And I think we are seeing firms make investments um, and really focus on, on how, to, how to do that kind of digital onboarding process in, in a way that does include all the checks they need to do. And I think the other factor there is, and we've heard this from a number of customers, that as more and more stuff has moved on online, it's moved, a, it, it kind of becomes easy for somebody who's looking to, you know, commit fraud or open an account fraudulently to kind of sit there in the basement, uh, like I'm sitting in my basement right now, you know, and, 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 you know, hit hundreds of firms and, and, and try and look for the weakest link. Right. So I think, you know, I think there's a really positive side to this, this kind of online onboarding and digital onboarding but at the same time it, it it's kind of raising the bar on how do you make sure you are doing that responsibly and it, it's actually you know we hear that very consistently that people are seeing more and more attempts at fraud through these online channels and and so this kind of this perpetual uh game now that we're seeing between the the potential fraudsters and and the technology trying to trying to you know spot behavioral analytics about the way people are completing forms. I was, I, I was actually talking to a uh, reg tech yesterday about how, how they look at, you know, the way a mouse is moving around an online application form and try and uh, derive behavioral analytics from that. So I think this is going to continue. I think, you know, it, it is going to make the firms who maybe threw up a, f a very lightweight process have to rethink how do they, how do they protect themselves and how they, do they do, you know, strengthen their KYC processes? But I don't think we're going to go back necessarily to in-person KYC. I th I'd, I'd be surprised if that happens. I think the, the world's moved on from that. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Uh, and I think, you know, to your point regarding behavioral analytics and even things like, you know, mouse movements and the the usage online that you can capture through digital onboarding, digital KYC, 
you know, as much as there are risk factors, as you properly point out regarding, you know, fraud and the ability to commit fraud from anywhere, there's also major advantages to the new way we do KYC, right? There's new data that you can capture, you know, and I think sometimes there's still, you know, maybe depending on who you talk to, there's a perception that digital channels are, you know, more vulnerable, you know, it's less, less uh, ability to really know your customer, but there are, there's a lot of new data, a lot of new techniques you can use to, to get rich, a richer view in some ways than you could traditionally. So, you know, I wonder if that squares with your experience and what your opinion on this sort of, you know, online channels are more vulnerable uh, debate is. Yeah, I, I, I think you're exactly right. I think there's, I think it's true that online channels are, that has been an increase in, you know, in attempted fraud and, and all the customers we talk to talk about that. And I think it is the fact that, you know, you can write code and write a, a bot uh, that tries, you know, and applies to a hundred different online accounts in a few minutes, right? And if you were having to do all that manually, that would be very challenging. But then there's ways, as, as you say, there's, there's people with all sorts of uh, new kind of approaches, whether it's behavioral analytics, whether it's looking at um, you know, two-factor authentication, whether it's you know, pulling other types of information to help, um, you know, whether it's you know, from cell phone providers or from open banking, we're seeing um, all, all sorts of different approaches to try and kind of still provide that very streamlined process, but to really validate um, somebody is who they are, right? And w- what I have heard from talking to different organizations, both customers and, and you know, we, we look to partner with people in this space and bring, bring the best of what's happening in the kind of innovation side to our, to our customers um, is... The, kind of the drop-off rates of the fraudulent attempts are pretty quick. So as you layer on these these new techniques, um, what what's happening is is the 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 second somebody who's trying to commit a fraud is is you know challenged with let's say two-factor authentication, they'll move on to the next. They're not you know that kind of flushes them out right. They they uh, they know that they've got a harder challenge there, so they'll move on and look for a lower barrier to entry and and so i i, I think there is uh, this yeah there's a lot happening in the space driven by all of this for sure yeah that's kind of the classic uh aphorism that you don't have to be faster than the bear you just have to be faster than the the slowest runner right so you yep. know the, the the fraud bear you just have to be uh slower than the the, the fastest uh or faster yeah. than the slowest runner so um yeah, I, I wonder. You you know, you, you mentioned open banking, um, and this is you know something that I think the the European marketplace and the EU in particular is uh you know is way far advanced over uh, the US, um, where the concept doesn't really necessarily exist here. And yeah. for those that aren't familiar with it, I, I wonder if you if you might just spend a, a minute or two talking about really what this is and, and its impact on KYC, both current and expected, you know, going forward, because I, I feel like this is a big change 
in many ways from, you know, what the audience out there might be used to. Um, and we'll have a variety of, of, you know, we'll have a variety of, is already having a variety of impacts on, you know, product offerings, customer interaction, so on and so forth. So if you don't mind detouring yeah. into open banking for a minute. <laughs> sure. And I'm, I'm, you know, full disclosure, I'm not um, the world's biggest expert on open banking, but this is an area we're exploring of what can it mean for KYC, right? And and actually kind of Booties has a couple of partners in the open banking space, but more around the traditional credit, right? So open banking, I think really came out four or five years ago and it was kind of a European initiative, although it's now spread to other jurisdictions, including you know Singapore. And it was really a set of standards um, that would allow digital API access to bank information. And, and part of the, I think if I'm getting this right, part of the, the logic at the time was it was to sort of enable people to move between banks more, more seamlessly and kind of prevent that lock-in that traditionally you would open a, a bank account, you know, when you went off to university or when you were, you know, in your teenage years, and then you would never change your bank for the whole, the rest of your life, right? That that was sort of the typical pattern. And I think that in, in Europe, there was a desire to make banking a bit more open, right? And allow people to easily move their accounts from one bank to another and generate competition in that way and, and kind of prevent the lock-in. But what that did do is unlock API access at a technical level um, to all of all of the banks and, and there's a standardization of the APIs that they have to offer. So what that's led to is the ability, and it, it's all done in, a, in, in kind of a, a, a very secure way. So as a consumer or as a business, you have to grant access to a provider to give them access to your account information. So perhaps you want to apply for a you know line of credit and you can provide access and it, it's for a limited time period to the information in your account and, and the provider that you're um, applying to can look into your 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 account and and essentially run all sorts of different metrics they can see transactions that you've that have gone through your account but they can also run aggregated um, measures on top of those transactions obviously from a kyc perspective that has all sorts of an onboarding perspective that has all sorts of interesting capabilities right you can look at um, somebody's balance right if, if you're thinking about kyc and one of the things we're seeing more and more of it is suppliers uh basically applying what have traditionally been uh kyc type approaches to to managing their supply chain right so i want to onboard a new supplier i'd like to understand you know are they liquid you know are they are they you know have what's their kind of uh, level of liquidity all of that you can effectively see through your um open banking apis uh, and you know if you if you think about it this it, it's really a way of um, speeding up the onboarding process uh, for somebody who's willing to to 
open up their data and share their data for a period of time. And, you know, if we go back to the our prior bit of the conversation, you know, if you're a genuine actor, then the likelihood is you're going to be much more uh, willing to do that than, than if you're looking to do things fraudulently. So it, it, it it's kind of a really interesting uh, approach to potentially almost sharing KYC, if I dare go as far as that. I'm a bit hesitant to say that, but the <laughs> fact that somebody's already been onboarded into an institution and you could see that they've had that account for a period of time, you know, you can then start thinking about, well, how does, you know, how does that change my risk posture to them? And I, I think we, we've done this traditionally, right? If you think about applying for a, a loan, you know, you would typically share several months of uh, account statements with a, with a provider, right? So this has happened, but now really what open banking is bringing the ability to do that in a few seconds rather than, you know, grab your latest statements, send them off to the new provider, they analyze them, think, you know. So I think, it, it, again, it, it's really this digitization of the process and speeding up the process. Yeah, thank you for indulging that uh, that interest in, in open banking and uh, for uh, for not being an expert, you certainly were eloquent on the topic. So I appreciate that. Uh, I, you know, I, let's stay on that theme of digitization and advancement um, of you know the processes around KYC. Um, and this is a bit of an adjacent topic, but you know, also definitely a, a conversation I've heard quite a bit. Also in the European market is around you know what you could refer to as uh real time uh or perpetual or ongoing kyc and cdd um so rather than the periodic you know review this is something that's that's continuous that's dynamic driven by customer behavior so on and so forth and you know we this is this has been kind of the norm for a while in the fraud um and to some degree the sanction space you know this at least the concept of being more real time uh, whereas in the AML space, it's been much more of a, you know, looking backward or periodic review uh, system, at least at many institutions. So, uh, you know, where are we in this evolution towards perpetual KYC, ongoing KYC, whatever terminology you prefer? Uh, and and what does it take to get there? I mean, I still hear consistently, you know, a lot of institutions gripe, and rightfully so, about data silos, you know, disparate systems that don't interact. Um, is that still a key issue? You know, and how are you seeing institutions overcome them, particularly some of the bigger, you know, you could call legacy uh, institutions? Yeah, it's, it feels like that's been the other big topic of 2022, to be honest, is, is kind of the perpetual KYC kind of term has, has really uh, risen very much to the top of everybody's agenda in the industry, and there's a, there's a lot of uh, lot of talk about it whenever we whenever we meet with with customers, and I think I think the you know the pieces are there uh, are, and are coming together, right? You know, it, it's possible to obviously with sanctions get you need to be getting real time sanctions information, you know, PEP information adverse media, it's possible to get all of those on a, on a real-time basis rather than a, than a looking at them on an annual review. 
I think using some uh, kind of the more innovative lifecycle management platforms, changes in those um, those those data feeds can trigger um, or re-trigger, you know, a risk assessment. So I I I think the the components are there. I mean, equally, it's possible to get you know notifications from more and more corporate registries about changes. And then obviously the other piece of this is kind of the behavioral transactional piece that is, it is I think, challenging in organizations. So we've been talking a lot about, I think the external piece of this is, is coming together and then pulling that together with, with the internal behavioral. Um, there's you know, definitely challenges with, with larger organizations with, data silos. I mean, we're seeing people approach it in different ways. Some organizations through kind of uh, data centralized data management groups who kind of maintain the, the kind of golden copy of, of the customer data um, and others using kind of data aggregation and, and uh, entity resolution tools to, to kind of act as a layer on top of all of their data sources. But it does feel like the pieces are coming together to, to make it a real thing. Uh, we're in the middle of actually doing some customer research around it, understanding where people are. And I think there's a lot of talk about it, but, but uh, you know, it, it's, I think I've heard of one customer through our, our research so far, who's kind of said that they're already there. <laughs> right. And I think we've, we've, we've spoken to, uh, you know, 30, 40 customers as part of that work. So, um, I, yeah, it's a journey, and and I I I think that it's still pretty early. Yeah, uh, it definitely seems to be uh, you know uh, early stages for a lot of institutions out there. But as you as you noted, you know it is a it is a series of steps. It's not a leap from um, you know periodic review all the way to perpetual you know fully perpetual KYC. So there is a, a lot of room for in between there on that journey. I you know I'm wondering is there a difference between some of the you know larger I guess you call them traditional financial institutions um, and fintechs and their approach particularly to perpetual KYC. You know for for institutions that are newer, not necessarily reliant on, you know, older systems, legacy data, that type of thing. Is it in some ways easier to, you know, to take this journey to ongoing KYC um, and to be able to, you know, either adopt it from the start or, you know, iterate more quickly to get there? I think potentially it is, right? I think there's an element with with some of the fintechs and, and Dio banks to really approach the whole business as, you know, uh, almost like a technology company, and and to think about their 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 processes very, you know, holistically, and and kind of end, in an end to end way. And I think that probably does give them an advantage. You know, the clean sheet of paper and not the twenty different legacy systems that you're you're concerned about, or the different regional systems uh for a for an international organization probably is an advantage but i think it, it's still a challenging topic right i think it's not necessarily the kyc is not necessarily the the core business of any of those organizations right and what we're often surprised that 
you know, we work with a number of those organizations and we often hear that they struggle to get the development resource uh, focused on the KYC space because uh, they're focused on, you know, uh, the web development or other other aspects of, 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 of the business. So we do, you know, yes, I think it, it's easier to start with a fresh sheet of paper, but I think that the challenges of getting resource are, are similar across different organizations. Yeah, that's a good point. There's, it's not, uh, it's not magically easier to be a compliance department or professional at a <laughs> at a fintech firm, and in some ways, it's uh, very, very much more challenging. So, uh, you know, I, what uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about your role because I think it's an interesting one. You are the founder of the innovation team at Moody's Analytics. Um, and what we were talking earlier, you know, I think many people know Moody's from the credit side of things, but this is a little bit of a different take on it. Um, so do you mind speaking a little bit about, you know, what you're doing, your team, and also, you know, given the title innovation, what areas of innovation do you see as key focuses in the KYC space? I imagine we've touched on um, many of them, maybe most of them here in this conversation, but, you know, any other thoughts on that would be welcome. Yeah, definitely. Um so yeah, I, you know, as Moody's, I think we've done a, a very nice job of, of continuing to invest and broaden the scope of the organization. And, and our focus is very much now around uh, really a concept of integrated risk assessment. So how do we bring all of the different risk measures we've got? And you can think of the history of Moody's being very much focused on credit risk, but it's really just one risk that people are considering today, right? You know, you've got sanctions risk, we have um, ESG risks, right, around, uh, you know, depending on what you're doing, things like uh, climate change, climate impact are, are all different risk factors that, that, you're, that you're thinking about. And, and as, as Moody's over the last 14, 15 years, we've, we've really built a business beyond our traditional uh, kind of view of credit into all these different risk adjacencies. Um, I created an innovation group about six, six and a half years ago now at, at Moody's. And, and really our focus was to look at new technologies that were coming to, uh, coming to the market and how did we leverage those to start thinking about building new businesses, right? So what we didn't want to be was a pure research lab what we wanted to do was kind of apply technologies to, you know, to to really move the needle and enable uh, capabilities that that we hadn't enabled before, right? And and really, uh, you know, build new businesses built on 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 these technologies. And you know, if I go back six or seven years when we got started, we were doing a lot of work around the cloud and how, you know, being able to scale. Computing through the cloud enabled us to do a lot more. We moved from that sort of stuff into a lot of work actually around AI and machine learning. And, and Moody's has established a fairly significant kind of center for excellence around AI and machine learning now. And that's very relevant to the work we do in KYC, right? So we're spending a lot of time thinking about how do we take decisions that we've historically made with humans in the in particularly in the onboarding and screening process and try and train ai machine learning to help streamline that process and and really what we're trying to do 
is 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 again help classify risk right so what train the machine to help identify these are the these are the applications or these are the customers you should be spending your time looking at because they appear to be high risk and and these are the ones that are, are much lower risk and we have in some of our databases tens of millions of actual decisions we can use to to train algorithms around that so that's been one really interesting area i'd say another area that we've been spending a lot of time on recently working with some partners is around entity resolution and how do we join up all these data sets and i think that talks a little bit to what we were just talking about with with perpetual kyc and how do we bring together these different data silos well you know, to be honest, we have lots of different data from lots of different sources, and we have that problem internally ourselves as well. But if we can join up data on, you know, companies and ownership structures with our databases that we have around um, PEPs and sanctions and adverse media, typically the way all that happens today in, a, in an onboarding process or in a KYC process is through name matching. Right, but if we can do that name matching once with entity resolution, and then use analysts that we have on our team to look at the matches for our customers, we can we can effectively have a massive data set of hundreds of millions of companies pre-linked to the directors and and anybody who's you know politically exposed or sanctioned, and 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 we can build this sort of massive network graph, and that that's another big area we've been been looking at is is the whole kind of graph connectedness of, of all the data that we're pulling together and then we can join it with you know if we know the address of the of the organization we can join that with with kind of climate risk information and that just enables all sorts of different use cases right so if you think about you, you know you can think of different workflows that that we are that we're thinking about so you can think about the KYC uh, workflow of somebody opening an, a, a new account because they want to get a loan to make on a I don't know on, on an office building and and maybe they would also want to insure that office building and there's kind of a core set of data of who you know the LLC that's involved who the owners are uh, where the building's located you know what's the flood risk of that what's the climate risk in that location that impacts all of these different risk areas right so you know that we're not seeing as much in the kyc side around around the climate and the and the and the flood type effect but very much in our insurance in our and uh our lending businesses those are key things factors that people are, are building into their models and but joining all this data up through kind of entity resolution and, and graphing is really trying to bring that 360 degree view of of risk and then apply it to these different spaces and, and kyc is very much one of them yeah there are excellent points all around i mean really exciting things i think you're doing um in this in this space and you know this I, this concept of of network risk i think is incredibly important because you know we're seeing it in real time play out right now in the the sanctions context where if you are looking at the risk of an individual transaction or individual customer uh you're really going to be missing 
you know, the bigger picture of risk. So it has to be the risk of the network when it comes to capture, properly capturing the sanctions risk. So, um, you know, it sounds like you're doing some, some great work there. And speaking of great work, we're just about at time, but I always like to end on a optimistic note. I think we've been uh, pretty optimistic about KYC CDD on this, uh, in this conversation, but just to, you know, really drive it home here. um, KYC CDD, you know, maybe fairly or unfairly, my perception of it has always been as sort of a little bit of a underloved, underappreciated aspect of uh, financial crime compliance. But what are your reasons to be optimistic when it comes to this space? Uh, What do you see as, you know, encouraging trends or um, something to leave the audience with, you know, a a note of hope? Yeah, I, so I think there's a few things, right? I I do think uh, as we started, the conversation, you know, when you get these times of turbulence, it it, it highlights the value of, of of really understanding your risks, right? And 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 I think we're in that sort of time right now. So I think it it's helping justify investments in this space. You know, understanding that as we were just talking about that sort of that sort of network risk that that we can see through through sanctions and and exposing. You know, senior management and boards in organizations to those that those the, they need to be thinking about those things. And I know, literally, as Moody's, our boards asking us questions about about our customer base and and our processes around these things. So I think this has become a, a you know a, a really important topic. But I think beyond that, what we do see with some of our kind of leading customers is then once you have brought together all those different data assets and got that network view of of your customers, we're definitely seeing lots of cases where that can then be leveraged to to kind of help grow the business, right? By that 360 degree view of knowing who your customer is can actually be a great driver of of, of growing the relationship that you have with that customer, understanding you know particular risks and i think kind of back to really the 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 topic for today is it, it can it can really help uh kind of drive competitive advantage and and we're seeing organizations bring it together in the kyc space because they sort of have to as from regulatory perspective but then leverage that that combination of data to 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 help drive their business in in you know revenue generating ways yeah, thank you for that perspective, and uh, thank you for closing us out on a on a hopeful note. There, I think it is absolutely true that you know, or at least uh, my hope is that you know, listeners out there leave with uh, the perception that things are changing for the better in the KYC CDD space. And part of it is because it it is now you know a friend to business, a uh, yeah. a way to provide that competitive advantage. And you know, I think and it should have always been that way, or always perceived that way. But now we're we're uh, fortunately trending in that direction. So, uh, Keith, thank you so much for the time. This has been a wonderful conversation um, and a lot of insights, obviously, coming from you and from the Moody's analytics team. Again, my guest has been Keith Berry, the general manager in KYC, KYS at Moody's analytics. Uh, and uh, just thanks again for the uh, the time and the insights. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate the conversation.
And for all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in to the Financial Crime Cast. As a reminder, the Financial Crime Cast is available on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, many other places where your favorite podcasts resign. So uh, appreciate the time and attention. To uh, special thanks, as always, to our CFCS certified and members listening in. And please join us on the next episode. Goodbye for now, everyone. <laughs>